What's up, everybody? It is April 4th, 2018, and I'd like to welcome you to episode four of the Tech Audit TV podcast. My name is Brandon Hassler, and with me is someone who has no shortage of new ideas, my bro, Matt Hassler. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, always. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Tired, but yeah. living the dream. I like to hear. Uh, we are recording here at the Stone Sheba Studio, located in the one and only downtown Provo, Utah. And if you hear an obnoxious hum in the background, that is because there's construction right in the other side of this wall. So I apologize for that. Hopefully, we can clean some of that up in post, and uh, you don't know what I'm talking about, but we'll see. This won't be going on forever. It'll end one yes. day. Yes, one day, one day. Uh, we do have a number of things to cover today, but first I do want to uh, address the elephant in the room. It has been a few weeks since uh, the podcast, the last episode, uh, episode three. I apologize. It has been uh, crazy, crazy busy with uh, my full-time work at uh, Dev Mountain, but I've also been spending a little bit more time on another project uh, within Market Campus, which is a uh, company that uh, Matt and I are a part of and um it's uh, if you're interested check it out marketcampus.com if you're a, whether you're a small business owner you're looking to market uh, a, a new project or something you're trying to like figure out how do i get more social followers or you know do facebook advertising all that kind of stuff putting together a really cool course for people so you can just go to marketcampus.com and put in your email and then you're on the list you'll get notified when it's done so so there we go this episode brought to you by marketcampus.com unofficially here when brandon's not allowed to brag about himself because that just looks bad so <laughs> i'll do it for him because i am not directly involved in the content i can say honestly that it's amazing everyone who's taken the course when when we started it it was live classes um you know, 12 to 15 students per class. What was it? Nine week course, right? Yep. Um, and it's the same content online. Just a lot of people would prefer to have it online. So it went online, um, but literally never had any complaints and didn't even have people who were kind of like, okay with it. People love it. It teaches it's, there's nothing like it. There really, there really is truly nothing like it out there so it's good stuff it is good stuff it really is um so yeah marketcampus.com check that out uh now what, what are we going to talk about today great question brandon we're going to talk about youtube for a little bit uh we're also going to talk tablets specifically um the first ever chrome os tablets we've had android tablets we've had long time coming apple you know with the ios operating system on tablets um but uh, google's shaking things up a little bit so we'll talk about that and then uh we will close with uh, a crazy trend that is happening on instagram that seems like the beginning of a black mirror episode so stay tuned for that i haven't told matthew about it he may have already heard about it through his own uh searchings on the web but uh, we'll get his natural reaction as well I don't think I, I really don't think I have I and I'm it's everything in me right now to not search it but <laughs> you want my natural reaction so I'm yes gonna, I'm gonna avoid it you may have heard it because yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk I about feel it like a little bit, bit. But. 
Um, so let's talk YouTube for a second. So YouTube, if you haven't heard, this isn't like super, super new. Uh, it is new since the last episode of Tech Audit TV podcast, but um, YouTube has redesigned. Sorry, whoa, 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 we're backing up here. YouTube has launched a new way to stream online. So previously, uh, you can go into the YouTube app and start streaming from your phone, which you still can do. That really hasn't changed from from what I've seen. And then if you wanted to stream from your desktop, like your webcam, whether it's like an external one or you know the, the cam built into your laptop or, or desktop, you can you, you can always do that, but you have to have like a third party software, like an encoder, I believe. Uh, so like OBS, open broadcasting software, is a really popular free um, software that you can use where basically you have to kind of stream it from that software and then it's using a lot of the uh, RAM on your PC and whatnot, and then that's piping into uh, YouTube. You have like a stream key and you can do a lot of advanced stuff. So that's what like most gamers that you're watching on YouTube, they're using software like OBS there's some other popular ones that are paid that that may be a little bit nicer but um, that's what they're using and, and for your average Joe who just wants to hop on and do a live stream from his or her laptop that's very difficult to do if you don't have that software set up and if you don't have like a very high-powered PC so now when you go into your creator studio and you click on live streaming there's now an option that says camera and it has a new icon next to it and what they're trying to do is they're trying to get in line with how easy it is to stream on Facebook and Instagram anybody with an account on Instagram can stream anybody with an account on Facebook can stream and now that's how it is. So I, I've, I looked up because I know we've talked about it previously with like the thousand subscriber requirement. It seems like they're doing away with that. I haven't seen like an official statement. Um, there, there have been some articles that have been like stating that, but Google has like clarified that no, that we're, we're rolling this out among accounts. It's not like totally official yet, but it's actually pretty smooth. So now you can literally just hop onto YouTube, uh, pop open, you know, pop open your laptop, go to YouTube and and hit the camera option, you name the stream, you uh, select what microphone you're using, what camera you're using, and you can start streaming. I haven't actually done like a full stream with it. I did before the show, like open it and just- Did you fully start the show? I didn't fully start it, but as soon as it opened the camera, my, my laptop was like, like using all the same RAM. So it's still using a lot of stuff, um, but it, it does make it now possible so people with Chromebooks uh, can start doing a YouTube live stream. You're not gonna get the overlays. You're not gonna be able to get like the screen sharing that you can do or, or piping and other stuff like your gaming content and whatnot. It, it's just literally just your, your camera and your microphone that it's using. But uh, that definitely puts YouTube live on a much more accessible level compared to where it was before, where Facebook, you know, you could open up your laptop, start streaming, uh, Instagram, obviously mobile only, but uh, it's very, it feels very much like you're setting up like an Instagram live feed. Should we see if I can go live on my phone? Cause I don't have a thousand su subscribers. Let's see it. So I opened it and I've got an option here. I got record and I got go live. Okay. And this is the YouTube app, right? Yep. So allow access. Before you go live, we need to verify your identity with you, a phone number. You okay. do need to verify the Verifying your account by phone lets you unlock additional features. May take up to 24 hours to get access. Okay. Um, I'm gonna send a text and 
we could probably even just move on with the show and I'll let you know if I somehow get live. Yes, let me know. Because um, this would be interesting. So, well, so while, while we're getting that loaded up, Another YouTube news, like I mentioned, uh, Google on March 29th, or I should say YouTube technically, uh, unveiled a new redesigned gold and silver play button. So if you're not familiar with the YouTube world, once you hit a thousand, sorry, once you hit 100,000 subscribers, YouTube will mail you a cool silver play button. Um, It's kind of a heavy duty metal uh, inside of a glass case and it's uh and then then when you go to a million subscribers you get the same thing but it's gold and then they introduced a a 10 million subscriber uh what do you call it uh kind of a play diamond type thing for for yeah for people with 10 million plus subscribers i didn't realize that uh the original play buttons were unveiled at VidCon in 2012, so I thought they were older than that, but 2012 is when the play buttons became a thing, and uh, now they've been replaced by a totally flat design. I mean, you can just go on to, to Google and type in new YouTube play button and see what they look like. They, they introduced a really cool video. Uh, I think they look way better, supposedly. I thought, my, my hunch was that they were trying to cut costs because more and more people are hitting these milestones. It's taking like six months uh, until you like actually get it from the time that you hit that milestone, sometimes even longer. Uh, I've, I've watched some YouTubers where it took them like a year and a half to get their play button uh, after their their milestone. Um, but uh, supposedly it's a higher quality. They do look well. One of the big uh, pluses for YouTube is that they are much tougher to damage. Whereas when you're sending a glass, you know, case with a with, with a with a hunk of metal in the middle, things can get damaged. The glass can get cracked. All of that kind of stuff. Um, and the uh, the play button, sorry, the the the, the diamond play button is still going to remain the same. So this kind of caused me to, to look into some just like random YouTube statistics. Um, do you know, Mr. Matt Hassler, who the number one YouTuber is in terms of subscribers? If I had to guess, I would say it's PewDiePie. That is right. Um, I, Did I do it? Did yeah, I was, do it right? Does he do this finger thing still? I, I haven't watched a PewDiePie video in a long time. I know. The Usually first one he just I watched, opens up and he's depressed about something. He went like this. He did this rain thing. He might still do that. I don't know. Maybe. I'm trying to pull up his um, account just to get the final number. Okay, so he's got uh, almost 62 million subscribers. So he is number one by far. Wow. Um, still, even though they've like... Because he doesn't show up in suggested content. Not a lot. Any long... like. I think he still can I, I I've seen him suggested sometimes really he might be over his I feel like they his probation definitely I know that Logan Paul I believe is still on like a probation where he's back to monetized videos but he his videos cannot be suggested to people <sighs> um, I feel like I want to meet Logan Paul in real life just so I can know if he's actually a complete douchebag uh, he's pretty much the same yeah. off camera and uh, how is that and on camera. It's kind of a sad. Just because his whole life is a movie, so he's oh. just he's just always on. Um, but uh, yeah, just that, to be clear, I wasn't officially calling him that. I was saying I'd like to know if he is. Yes, yes. Um, some other interesting stats: uh, What percentage of YouTubers, not YouTubers, but YouTube users, do you believe are male? 
Do you think I it's know majority? It's, I know it's majority, uh, but I, I don't know how. Let me, let me guess. I actually don't know this. I do know it's majority. I've, I've heard that. I'm going to go 70, 70%. 62% of YouTube mm, users are males. So there's a thought. ton of stats I found. Some of the interesting ones, obviously 62% of YouTube users are male. Uh, 80% of YouTube users come from outside of the U.S. Wow. Uh, only 9% of small businesses are on YouTube. Uh, 75% of adults turn to YouTube for nostalgia rather than tutorials or current events. They're there to like relive old video games, old movie clips, stuff like that. Uh, I've watched a lot of old WWF videos on there. So there you go. Yep. You're part of the, the statistic. Of Millennials prefer YouTube two to one over traditional television. That's not surprising to me. I think that's even higher, whatever the generation is after. That's um, crazy. Right now, my 14-month-old only watches YouTube, doesn't care my about kids TV. basically only watch YouTube. Um, males are primarily... Okay, so here's the question. What do you think males are primarily watching on YouTube? Two things. Uh, gaming, I would say, has to be one of the two. Strategy games. Strat okay, so games, like videos specifically for gaming strategies. Is that I don't what you're know, saying? It's strategy games. I don't know if that counts. Like, is that World of Warcraft type things i don't know strategy okay. games so like is, is live, what this is yeah and i get what they're saying they're watching people live play or not live play necessarily but play those games mm -hmm. yeah my kids watch a lot of that um strategy games and, and then, then now think like a little hint 80 percent of users are outside the u.s are outside the u.s so think of something big that's much bigger outside the u.s than it is inside soccer that is correct. Holy crap, for real? <laughs> Males are primarily watching soccer or strategy games. Females oh are primarily watching beauty videos. Um, live soccer or just like... Just soccer. Clips. I mean, I, I see live streams of soccer like wow. come across my feed. But, uh, I mean, if you think about it, if uh, especially outside the U.S., I would imagine that more people are using these live streaming options as their way of watching TV yeah. Uh, whereas they don't have like maybe the, the cable subscriptions. So that, is YouTube TV taking off out? It's not, is it, that's not even available outside the U.S., is it? Uh, that's not a good that question. I'm aware of. I don't know. I'm not aware least. that it is. So they're watching not live content. So it's just straight from like YouTube accounts. Watching soccer videos. That's crazy, man. You know yeah. what? Good for the world. Good that's for the better. world. That's better. There's a lot of things I could think of that, uh, that would be a lot worse that they'd be looking for than soccer. And so. then uh, 185 accounts, from my math, have over 10 million subscribers. So some interesting things there, just some random facts. But, uh, yeah, YouTube is alive and well. Did you have any success with the streaming? So I hit a brick wall. Live. That's weird. At first it blocked me, and it's it said I was blocked due to either copyright infringement or... It's like something I had done on my account, which there's no way. And now when I turned it back on, it said ready in 24 hours. It takes 24 hours to activate your account for live streaming. Mm. Once activated, you can go live instantly. Well, there you go. So I don't know how I somehow got unflagged while my phone was sitting there. But YouTube has a policy where it's uh, guilty until proven innocent is how they I guess yeah. is how they seem to roll with everything. Yeah, they they've been in the news for a lot of. All the wrong reasons lately. Yep. Unfortunately. All right. Well, uh, so that's some of our YouTube news right there. Let's move on. Now we're, we're shifting from YouTube, shifting over to Google, making sure I'm 
I'm on track here. Yeah. So you actually brought this to my attention. I, I think I have seen some headlines. I hadn't really looked into it. Apple was having an education event. How long ago was that? Like two weeks ago or something like that? Not even. I think it was last Monday, wasn't it? That sounds... So a week and a half ago? Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. Apple's having an education event uh, supposed to unveil kind of they like on a... Tuesday, yeah. A, a cheaper, more affordable tablet for, you know, schools and whatnot. And then Google goes ahead and holds an event the day before and unveils a new tablet. Tell me a little bit about the tablet. So it's Acer technically unveiled it. And, it, and when you say unveiled, it was a bizarre unveiling because it wasn't available on Acer's website. It wasn't available anywhere. I could see like the day of, it's, it's basically like they just sent stories to news outlets, which is why I think it got so heavily covered is because there was nowhere else to find it. I, I searched, I couldn't find any direct info on it other than the info that what like The Verge was one, you know, was the there, first. And like, uh, was there an actual event? Or is it no, literally just straight? It was just PR. Straight just, to the press. As far as I could see. I could be wrong. I'd be, if, if someone knows something different than me, I would actually genuinely be interested in being corrected on that. Because um, I, I looked and looked at Because I wanted to find the source of it and what else they said. And it was all just, there was no sources. It was So so I'm guessing this was just a story that was sent. Um, Google and Acer probably in combo pushed it out to all these outlets. But Acer's got a tablet. Um coming out it's 9.7 inches it's the exact same size as the ipad um it's gonna have a blue plasticky kind of grippy back um the specs are really good on it i don't have them pulled up right now but it by all means they look really good the big thing is that it runs chrome os um which my kids at, at, at their school every kid has their own chromebook like it's crazy i didn't even believe it i had to, my kids told me that and i was like no i think you guys probably have like six or seven that you share but every kid has their own chromebook at school and the ones they have they're lenovo's they're actually pretty cool um but the cool thing here now is you get the you get the tablet and you get the ability to open up uh desktop versions of really of chrome is the main benefit Plus it has a pen built in. So the stylus is actually built into it, which I think is one of those tiny little things that didn't get a lot of fanfare. That's not something people are gonna notice, but if I'm the parent or the educator looking at these, that's a big deal because they're selling these for, I think they each copy their pricing, 329 for the tablet, 299 to educators. Apple, I think the exact same thing, uh, 329, 299, they might've gone 279, uh, for educators, but you've got to buy the Apple Pencil, which is $99, and I'm not aware of them discounting that. Um, although it does look like there's an official third-party pencil made by Logitech or something, like a like a well-known company that's going to be $49, um, and it seems to be like Apple-approved, so my guess is it will work. Um, but there's so many little things, like when you're talking about kids having a tablet and the way the Apple Pencil charges is you, you stick it into the, the lightning port and then the Apple Pencil sticks out of it, which one hit of it snaps the, yep. it's just not kid friendly. And, and really the entire, the whole thing's interesting because I think Apple missed a huge chance here um, because they didn't change the iPad really. And they kind of at the same time made their pricing look weird because before the cheapest iPad you could get the iPad Pro 9.7 inch. First, they introduced the large iPad Pro, right? The 12.9. Then, then they started calling 
their new ones, iPad Pros that were 9.7 inches, but you could get the exact same iPad for cheaper that was just called iPad, but you couldn't use the pencil on it. That was the, the so the, the major differentiator between Pro and non-Pro became, can the iPad use the pencil? They've never stated what it is, but someone did a teardown and there's a chip um, that is in these new cheap ones that, that was also in the pros, but not in the regular iPads. I, I hope this isn't crazy confusing to people. Um, but long story short, basically, they, they just took their low-end iPad and they put um, uh, that chip into it so that it works with the, uh, with the pencil, but it's still an iPad. So it's still gonna easily crack like the glass, you know what I mean? They're metal, so they're gonna get dinged up. Like, I, I don't know, I, I saw, I see an opportunity there for them to do something like when they did the iPhone 5C, you know, which mm -hmm. everyone considered a flop, but I think it led to some good things for them and it opened up uh, iPhones to a whole new group of people because of the affordability. So it's like, well, why not come out with an, with an iPad E, you know, like, like, and just actually make a product for the education market, which is what everyone thought they were doing and they didn't. All they did is they just said, oh, by the way, there's a cheap iPad now that works with the Apple Pencil uh, and it's for educators. But, and and I know they claim like, there's some apps, I think, specifically that come with it, but I don't know. I just can feel like- Can you get uh, on the Chrome OS tablet, can you, do you have access to all of the apps that are designed for Android? Yeah. Or is it a completely separate- Chrome OS and, and Chrome OS now, uh, all, all new, like almost all of the old Chromebooks um, are Android compatible. Like you can download the Play Store. Mm -hmm. um, very few of them didn't get it. There's a good chunk that didn't, but but you can go back a couple of years and most Chromebooks got backwards compatibility with Android apps. Every new Chrome OS device coming out has uh, Android apps. So, so you're getting the entire app store, Android app store, um, you're getting Chrome OS, um, which is a lot. And Google's got their Google classroom app that a lot of educators use already. Um, so, but, but if you're going for the stylus thing, like, I, I guess, cause that's the big difference. It's like, well, if, if an educator, if a school is to set, were to decide to go to tablets instead of laptops, which is what they're doing right now with Chromebooks most of the time, uh, which one would they choose? Well, they're probably going to choose the one that has the stylus that's built into it where there's a place to put it. You know, I'm mm -hmm. guessing it's going to be a lot cheaper to replace than an Apple Pencil. So I, I don't know. It, it, we'll see. I think it's a, I think it's smart that Apple's at least trying to compete, but I think they may have missed the mark. I think Google stole quite a bit of their thunder. And, and right now, this is Acer only, this is the first one. There's going to be, I'm guessing, a landslide of these things coming out soon. Mm -hmm. So... I'm reading, anyway. I'm reading here on, I mean, this is Mac world. So obviously it's going to be biased. Um, it, the, the, the title of the article is why Apple's new iPad is a better option for schools than a Chromebook tablet. And one of the things they're talking about is just the overall privacy, especially with like stuff you're seeing coming out with Facebook. Uh, Google obviously is ad driven with search and whatnot. Uh, whereas Apple has always kind of posed themselves as like, Oh, we are the safe place for data um we're not out to collect because we don't make money off information whereas google does make money off information are there problems 
see, I, I guess I, I think both of them are harvesting data. I can't imagine like one, it's not like you're getting ads popping up on the home screen of your Chrome OS device. So the ads are only going to come up if the school chooses to allow access to uh, sites that have ads. And, and that's, I think that's going to happen either way. I guess Safari blocks a lot of ads, but I don't think for the most part, kids are using that stuff anyway. So mm -hmm. it all comes down to, well, yeah, I guess it, it would be important to look into what Google and Apple are claiming they're doing with your child's information. But I can't imagine either of them are selling it to third party. If they are, that would be, yeah, that'd be a huge deal, which that's, that's an interesting question to look into. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't realize that uh, Apple's, and this may have come out, let me see when this story, February 26th, I'm trying to think, February, March, no, we've had a podcast since then, we might have, maybe we talked about it, maybe we missed it, but Apple has confirmed that it uses, so iCloud is, is based off of Google Cloud. Like yeah. They actually it's on pay, their servers. They pay yeah. for space and everything. And so it's like, well, if Google, I mean, Apple's defense is, well, it's encrypted. Yeah, it's it's sitting on there, but Google doesn't have access to it. Other people don't have access to it, but it's still on Google's yeah. public cloud, uh, which is interesting. So I think there's more security issues than than they're letting on. But, uh, but yeah, that, well, it the seems, interesting thing about the iPad education event here's my kind of my final take on it is uh, it was really good for your regular Apple consumer mm -hmm. not so much for educators that's like I, I I'm not I'm not bagging on it I was actually pretty excited about it because uh, app, like I, I know a lot of times I come across as like anti-Apple they make freaking awesome products um, they just do a lot of weird things that make their products not accessible to the right groups of people or to large groups of people because they have because they just kind of refuse to do certain things uh, and in this case like they were because they refused to make a cheaper looking tablet and make just something totally separate for the education market. I, and my only guess is they don't want to like sully their image. They don't want something that looks plasticky or whatever. Um, so instead they took their base iPad and uh, lowered the price of it and gave consumers now the ability to use the pencil on it, which if I let me put it this way, if I had just spent eight, nine hundred dollars on an iPad Pro, which is what they cost, even the nine point seven ones, I'd be pretty pissed. Because even those, even though those still have much better, like the screens are better quality, they're going to have like the better processor, all that stuff. Most people don't need that. So the fact that you're like, wait, what? Now I can use the Apple Pencil for five hundred dollars less. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it it great. It's great for consumers. I don't see it being that big of a. I think I think schools that were already using iPads are going to continue to use iPads, and schools that weren't are going to continue to not. I just don't see the difference. The other big argument is just the reliability. Apple's been in this game for a long time. They they have their OS figured out. Um, a pine like you, I would consider like you're, you're kind of lean towards like you like to be a pioneer, a lot of stuff, test it out. You're tech savvy. If you're a school putting this into like a mass program, would you like is, all the articles I'm reading? They keep saying like this is one of the big reasons. Like you're not going to get Chrome OS and then, or, or you could get Chrome OS and Apple's 
or and Google decides in a year and a half, like, oh, we're discontinuing or, oh, we're not going to be supporting it as much. Uh, or it could be buggy because this is kind of a new thing versus the tried and true Apple iPad. You know, it works. We've been doing this for years. Is that an, is that a better sell to educators? Well, I think the proof is in the data in that it you got, you know, the tech guys making decisions over these things are choosing Chromebooks in a landslide. And, and Chrome OS very much seems like it was designed. It seems like the entire idea was based on attacking the education market. And, and somehow nobody saw that coming and everyone's reacting to it. You got Windows with their S mode, which I think is cool. Like, I, I, I love what it's done. The, these other guys just can't seem to get it right. But what they didn't understand was that there, yes, there is a group of people out there in the world that do want the the form factor of either a tablet or especially a laptop, but they don't want it to be able to do very much on purpose. And, and Windows, uh, you know, Microsoft and Apple, I think just couldn't buy into that idea that there's people out there that don't want, they don't need to be able to do all these things. And, and yeah, a lot of these Chromebook users are going to have to, there's certain things like I just cannot do on my Chromebook. There's, they're becoming less and less and less, but at an education level, no, I, I don't, they've got like Google classroom, uh, the, the programs they have to manage all of these are better and they're in house. Um, Apple does not have, I met with the Apple business department, uh, at the Apple store and they've, everything they offered me like to manage my iPads across my restaurants were third party. It was, it was a list of third party options to, to be able to like manage all my iPads from one login, you know, hmm. Google's not You manage it through the Google admin console. So to, to say that Apple's more secure is interesting to me when you're managing multiple tablets because you can't manage multiple tablets. Yep. through Apple, you have to go through a third party. So right off the bat, your school is now instantly going through a third party for that IT admin to manage all those. Again, I could be wrong there. I'd like to be wrong there because I'd love a first party solution to manage. I have iPads at all of my restaurants, but I can't manage them from one like login, you know? Um, and, and even the Apple store wasn't able to offer me a legitimate solution hmm. through Apple. Interesting. They pushed me to third parties. So, well, we'll see how this tablet battle. Um, but I'm probably gonna get one because like, I I really want the Apple Pencil looks freaking cool. Looks like one of the best like styli. I guess is that how you say it singular. Yeah, I don't know. I hate those words on the planet as far as like its ability to take notes. So for three twenty nine, the ability to try it plus the pencil. That's still that's about half the price it used to cost to get into that. Yeah. So that's true. Kudos to them. I just think they. Uh, they they aimed and missed the education market and they they hit the consumer market well more competition is good for us all it yeah. pushes both companies to put out better and more affordable products so uh it's only going to be good things for us at least i hope but uh one thing i forgot to open up with a little value add for the listeners here or the watchers on youtube if you're watching this um app of the week Ooh. I know uh, we have a little follow-up. You talked about Vlog It from last week, and then you got another app to highlight. Yeah, so I'll just real quick go over that. Vlog It, I tested it out. I thought it was cool. Um, you can basically use it for free and fully make a video. Transition intros, um, like, uh, like if you watch 
Tech Audit TV on uh, YouTube, you know, a similar, not obviously as good as Brandon's, but you can never make, as good, never as good, but you, but they've got lots of templates and then you can buy, that's where the pay, that's where the pay comes in is, you know, pay as you go type thing to buy more templates and, and, and fonts and things like that. But for the most part, uh, you can, you can do music layovers. Uh, it's got about 30, 40 songs that are free and then you can pay uh, for extra ones, but you could legitimately, I was shocked. You could legitimately make a YouTube video from your phone that looks professional all in just one sitting. And it worked great on my Chromebook too. That was, that kind of blew my mind. So, um, audio would be the only question, but it actually picks up audio really good. And then it even has a basic audio editor in there that lets you add in random sounds, drag mm. and drop them within like where you want it. Um, I don't know. I was pretty impressed by it. I, it's got, it's, it's like the number six trending in its category. Um, a couple more that I'd be interested to hear if anyone's used are uh, Filmora, I guess has been around, but now has an app. I think it was a website before. Um, so that's one I want to try out. And then Kindmaster or Kinemaster. Right. I don't know how you pronounce it. I used to use it years ago and then they went, I bought the pro version and then they went to a monthly paid and I stopped using it because I wasn't using it enough. But that I want, I'm going to reuse that and, and follow up with you guys because that seems like an almost complete, like, like you could almost completely replace Adobe Premiere as long as you're not doing anything like crazy. You're not like in movies or anything, mm -hmm. but follow up on that. But the follow up on, uh, on, uh, vlog it is that I really liked it. I thought it was a cool app. Um, and it's free to use. It's free to use. Like I said, free to use top to bottom. So there's no um, like, uh, like is there unlocked features? Is it, or is it just like the transitions and templates there, and stuff? There, well, there's no catch as far as like, you can use it top to bottom for free, but it's the extension of what is available within each category hmm. that then you got to pay for. And there might be some level of like the more, you know, I didn't see anything like this, but there, it might be something along the lines of like, you know, the more and more hours of footage you want to store, you might have to start paying. But mm -hmm. I overall, like it's cool for, especially someone who wants to get started for free or even a few bucks. If you're like, ah, I want to have, I don't want to use one of these 20 templates, but even within the, the, the templates they have of all the intros, you can, you can adjust the coloring on them. You can adjust everything so much. That, that's it. even if someone else is using the, the same lettering as you, you might be, you're going to be using a different, uh, icon intro and you can slide it. You can choose how it slides in the background color. Mm. There's so many changes that let you make that it, I, I'd say it's very unlikely that you're going to see a bunch of other YouTubers with your exact intro because they're all using this. It, Interesting. It's got a, I was surprised by it. it it's a pretty cool app. So that's vlog it. Vlog it. V L O G I T. I like it. And then you were telling me about another app, for, especially, I guess this is only for Android users who are sick of spending lots of money on data. Dataly. D A T A L L Y by Google. Um, it basically, and you've used it, right? Yep. Um, you've tested it out. So it basically gives you really tight control over what apps can use data. Um, and I really like it. I definitely think that if you want to use it as just like a quick, oh, shut everything off 
you're going to have some problems because now you're shutting off background data. So it takes a little tinkering to get the most out of it. It takes a little tinkering to, to figure out which apps do I want to have access to background data, but you can set limits on it. You can say like, I want a hard stop on background data at this amount, you know? Um, so, if, so if you're a person paying for your data as you go, uh, I think it's a very, very important app to have on your phone because I was shocked at how much data I cut down, like uh, down to, I went from like 10 plus gigs a month down to like and that's one with or two. Using, Cause I know, I, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's Android or if it's Google pixel specifically, but it has like the data saver mode where you can turn it on your phone, like built in. Is that yeah. with like, even like, have you noticed, is it a bigger difference than that? Yes. Well, it is. Cause that's where I was like always conflicted. It's like, well, I've got this data saver mode that's built in to my phone, but then there's also this app. They're both Google. Like, am I like double using? Is this only a pixel feature think that of, I have? Think or? of data saver as just the act that, that total extreme just cuts off everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So your phone's kind of bricked almost until like you want it to just stay alive and take phone calls. So this is that that's what I, yeah. Cause I notice when I get like, when I get home or when I go to work, like both places where my phone connects, as soon as I arrive, my phone's just like, dun, 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 like all yeah. my notifications come in. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, have I been like missing out on a bunch of stuff because I've been out. You have been, if you're using data saver, uh, yes. where, but with Datally, the nice thing is you can say, okay, it, like with me, I've got tons of apps on my phone and they all want to use background permissions and I could go into each of them individually and like shut that, but it would take forever. This gives you a clean list. Here's all your apps and you can go through and just pick, okay, here's the five apps that I do want to get my notifications for. I want Twitter. I want Instagram to have access to background data, but uh, it's nice even then that you get to see how much they're using in a much cleaner form. This was mostly available through Android anyway, by tinkering with your settings, this just makes it easier. It puts it all in one spot. Um, but the cool thing is then you can go through and say all these other apps, like, uh, you know, if there's an app that you don't ever use, you don't want to pay a penny for data for it running in the background. You know, if mm-hmm. you, if it's one you open up every couple of weeks. So, you know, Netflix, uh, unless you're really, really concerned about getting that Netflix notification about the new movie that came out, which I don't think too many people are, they can wait till they get home. They don't yep. want Netflix using data in the background. So this lets you shut down what everything you want shut down. And, th- but then those ones that you are concerned about, like, oh man, I do need to get these notifications. It's, it's literally like a little slide button, just click, click, click. Okay. These apps have access to my background data. These apps do not, because that is, people don't realize that's where a good chunk of your data goes. And is that only when I'm on mobile? Like if I'm on a Wi-Fi connection, I don't care if I get all the notifications. It allows you to make that distinction. Yeah. Okay. You can also say, but let's say you're on a metered home connection with, you know, Wi-Fi. Some people are. Yeah. Um, then you can say, Hey, even on Wi-Fi, I want these to continue to be blocked from using background data. Um, but I would say most people are going to ha- the way they're going to use it is say, when I'm on mobile data, I want only these five apps to have access to use my background data. That means if you, if any other app is using data, it's because you clicked on the app and decided to use it. Hmm. So, and then when you close it, you know, it's not going to keep sucking up your data, you know? So it's, yeah, it's a lot. Like I, I was shocked how much data it, it 
saved me. If you're a big person with like, if you're big on Google assistant and things like that, um, you got to mess around with it and make sure you have certain apps activated so you can like, so it doesn't cut off your ability to use automated things like that. So there's some tinkering with it, but at the end of the day, it's totally worth it. If you're not on a, a free for all plan, mm. I will say I kind of stopped being as concerned about it once project five came out with their basically unlimited data plan. But even then I've noticed that my phone runs better when I have, you know, if, if I've got a hundred apps on my phone and I only want 10 of them to, to have access to background data, shutting the other 90 off is still a good thing for your phone because you don't have 90 processes running in the background. It's just better. So I think it's kind of a crucial, like I said, you can, I don't think it introduces anything completely new that you couldn't do by getting really, really, really granular into your settings already, but it's, it saves you a ton of time and it gives you really good just data charts on what apps are sucking up your data, things like that. It makes it a lot easier. So interesting. It's free from Google, from Google. So I'll need to get back on it. I like it. Uh, sweet. So that's Datally. That's uh, spelling that out. That's uh, gosh, I just had it right here. D A T A L L Y. So pretty simple from Google. So I'm you're not not, a, not another third party. Yeah, trying to, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a bunch of them that are trying to look like it as usual. Just make sure it's the one from Google and you will be just fine. All right. So last story here. I This is not like anything news, like breaking this week or last night. I discovered it last night. I think I was, it was just on Instagram. I was listening to or I was watching some stories from The Verge. Uh, and on their podcast, they were talking about this thing called, let me pull it up so I get it right, Finstagram. Have you heard of this? Finstagram? Yeah. No. So or I like, definitely oh, have not heard of that this. That account is a Finsta. This is a trend here. Uh, and like, this has been covered Finsta? by like big, you know, ABC, CBS, uh, as early as like this is it referring year. to like phishing? So it's fake, it's fake Instagram accounts where you can be yourself. So you have, let's say you have, uh, you have Matt Hassler as your uh, Instagram account. That's what most people know. They'll follow you. Um, but let's say you want to go on a rant about something or someone, or y you want to post that selfie that you're, it's probably not going to be the greatest, but you don't care or you don't want to, you don't want to post it because it's not the greatest. So, th so these are, so this trend called Finstagram or, or Finsta accounts, they're fake accounts where you can be you, uh, followers are generally among, so you make it private and mm -hmm. you don't have it as your name. So you could like make up something like, uh, like a Mr. Miyagi type thing right. and you don't use your own profile picture, but then you, you, you hand that out to your friends, like your close friends, like, Hey, I'm going to give you access to the real Matt Hassler. And this is, you know, generally it's just double digits, like not a ton of followers, super close friends, super close families, families. A lot of teenagers are using it to like, Hey, this is the real me. My parents follow me on this account here. And yeah, I post there, but if you want the real me, I was going to say this, I, I've heard of this type of thing going on with high school kids for a long time, but usually it's skipping over to a whole different platform platform to do yeah, it. Yeah, this is staying on the same platform, um, but just basically going under an alias that only you and your friends know and it's private. So um, yeah, and, and most are 
are, are females. This is more popular among uh, females than it is males. And you got to be aware of uh, Finsta snitches. These Ooh, <laughs> Finsta snitches, I'm yeah. guessing, get stitches. Yes. These are people who you have added. They're your friend. And maybe you had a fallout or maybe they're not as trustworthy wow. as you thought they were. And then they go and they take your content and they're posting it. I was going to say to these on the web, do these idiots not know that screenshots exist? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought it was just an interesting trend. Sorry. How, if you're a Finstagrammer, I apologize for calling you an idiot. Yeah. Maybe I'm we a can still be friends. Maybe I'm a Finstagrammer. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting trend. Whoa, 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 hold on. Was that a tease? Like maybe <laughs> no. I'm a Finstagrammer. No. Like I, do you have a Finstagram account floating out there? That's I the do real? Not. When I was reading this, I'm like, I kind of get it. But at the same time, it is a bit, I would never go to the extreme of like trying to hide my identity. But like, obviously with, you know, the, the, the bigger following you get, there's kind of a responsibility where you, you don't say certain things, uh, whether it's a rant or a comment, you kind of have to like, uh, oh, hold off. And then usually about five minutes later, you're like, I'm really glad I didn't say that because I probably, I didn't really think it all the way through. You know where another and, area and people I don't like that. They like to be able to just like, I want to be raw. I want to be me, but you can be you. Um, like, I don't know. It's just the interesting. The comment section society. is an area, though, where, where your posts often get hijacked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you make a post and you're not even trying, like, you really are just being you, right? And uh -huh. and you're not trying to be political or whatever. Um, and then and then one of your friends come, or somebody, you know, it's, and it's even worse when it's someone that, like, is, like, family or it's close to you. And they come on and make some just asinine comment. And now it's just like. Well, crap, that whole yep. post was just ruined because you're like, now everyone's just going to be coming on that. And if I don't say something to them about it, now I'm, now I'm, a, now I'm guilty of going along with it. So it puts you in an awkward, I, I can see the advantage there. I'm trying to find the, the area where it's like, why would someone do this? Who isn't trying to just, you know, start an account where they can be vulgar and racist or whatever. And I could see that maybe being that area where maybe their goal is that they don't want to have that crap yep. in their comment section. So they're doing it because they have people making those comments and constantly politicizing everything they do. Yeah. So that could be it. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, trend. It's an interesting pressure that people are feel now where it's like, I've got to, ha I got to maintain this image, but that's not really me. I, I, I say that's what Reddit's for. Like Reddit has been around for a long time. I don't see it going anywhere because they don't have that issue. Like no one cares about privacy in the terms of like, Oh, my data, this and that, or family photos. It's just like, I got my username and I can just go out and comment, repost Reddit's stuff. like a religion because it's bizarre. I don't know the exact user numbers, but it's gotta be one of the biggest websites in the world, <laughs> it's right? The front page of the internet. I mean, they well, say, that's a claim, but re realistically, like what, is, wh where do they rank as far as like visitors, like top 50, top hundred websites? Uh, let me look here. I, and I, while you're looking that up, I guess my point is regardless that's a big, they got a massive user base and yet there's like this hard cutoff of people who like they, they use Reddit, they understand Reddit. And then the next guy over has no idea what Reddit is like Reddit. What? Like it's bizarre. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Even if you're not on Facebook, you know what Facebook is Reddit for some reason has this massive cutoff where it's just like you, if you know what it is, you're on it. And if you don't, you're not. 
Um, it's bizarre. So Quantcast, which is like a measuring software, has them as the number 10 website uh, in the U.S. Uh, reaches over 94 million U.S. monthly people. See, that's huge. And I bet you I talk to people all day long. Not I bet you. Like, I know for a fact I, I talk to people all day long. I have no idea what Reddit is. Yep. Yeah, I talk to a lot of people. I mentioned Reddit, and uh, they're just like, I uh, don't really know. So it's got a hardcore, like the people that use it, use it, I guess is the point. It's yes. not just like an idea that. Which also makes it very tough for advertisers to get on or marketers because people can sniff a promoted post a mile away, like in Facebook, like, Hey guys, there's a great blog post with this yeah. information here. But aren't they just shoving it. ads in now? Like, well, there's advertising, but like when, when marketers try to create a Reddit account and oh, they're like, yeah. Oh, I want to go into this subreddit because it's related to my business and then post this new article, they can sniff it a mile away and then you just get ripped apart, which is a good thing by the community. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very self-regulated, which is what makes Reddit. And usually like, if you Facebook just self-announce that you're, doing shameless marketing people tend to be less pissed about it yes yeah yeah it's like it's one of the networks where even though you're on a uh, an, an, an alias there's a lot of like people expect you to, to have integrity and whatnot and, and be open and be honest it's kind yeah. of an interesting network well, they find out they follow your alias too they find out like those are that's like the those are the internet detectives who are like oh you posted this over here and yeah, it's crazy the crap they find out about you. Yeah, people dig in. Yeah, that's the other interesting thing about Reddit is you can look at someone's history. So it's it's like it's private, but it's also not private. Yeah, because unlike Facebook, I can't click on someone and see every single comment they've ever made. Uh, whereas in Reddit, you can just click on someone and be like, huh, three years ago on this subreddit, you mentioned this. And it's like your whole history is there. But hey, it thrives. Uh, it's interesting. Here's my advice to everybody. Say things that you mean and and uh, and be willing to defend what you say. Don't be an idiot online because even your anonymous posts eventually are going, people are going to be able to just run a quick scan and match your like writing form. You know what I mean? And go, yep. oh, here's a thousand posts that probably already exists, you know, that match your comment style we can tell with 99% accuracy that those comments were you like you're gonna don't say stupid stuff online like if it's stupid but you believe it say it we need we need to hear your stupid comments yeah I, I say stupid things online all the time I just I either believe them or I'm willing to say I'm sorry I was an idiot I would say if you're planning on running for president don't post stupid things but uh, that's, but you've been proven wrong. That statement, <laughs> statement has been proven wrong. So just I, emphatically, I, either don't say it or really own it. Yeah. That's uh, the rule. All right. Well, that is uh, today's uh, episode here. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you're listening on iTunes, if you could take 30 seconds, leave the show a good review. It really helps the show out a lot. And if this is your first interaction with Tech Audit TV, uh, check out the main YouTube channel. That's where all the action actually happens uh, on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search Tech Audit TV and uh, be sure to subscribe. So I would also love to hear your feedback on the show. If we've said anything that's incorrect or you would like us to talk about something specific on future shows, uh, I'm all about uh, community collaboration. And so if you have ideas or, or stuff that you'd like us to address, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at techaudittv at gmail.com. So uh, until next episode, we'll see you next time. See ya.